Ephesians chapter 6, reading verses 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may endure a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone at StainsCon. Great to be with you again. Uh, again, I'm, I'm afraid it's a recorded message this week as it uh, clashed with uh, our last part of Haggai. Um, but uh, today we're looking at uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. So it'll be really helpful to have that open uh, in front of you. And let me just pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word, that it's a living word. Uh, thank you that uh, you speak into every dimension of our lives. And uh, especially today, we consider our role as parents and children. So please grant us uh, lots of grace as we look at this uh, difficult area uh, where perhaps uh, our lives are put under the microscope that much more, that we would depend upon your grace uh, evermore, we pray. And that as a result, you might build uh, your church. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Well, I raided my uh, bookshelves recently, both in the office and at home, for materials on Christian parenting. And I was shocked how many books I found, well over 50 books and manuals and so on. Here's uh, just a, a few of them. Uh, how to bring your children to Christ. Thoughts for young men. Disciplines of a Godly Family. Terrific book. Helping Your Kids Make Good Choices. Uh, hints on Child Training. Uh, on Becoming Teen Wise. Wisdom for Parents as Our Children Become Teenagers. And then there's a whole course, Growing Kids God's Way, which is a bit of a mammoth course. And in fact, there's a there's a supplement for single parent families for that whole course. Now, those are just a sample of the books. Add to those the all the podcasts and the online resources, and you get a you get an idea of just how much material there is out there on Christian parenting. It was the Old Testament prophet Amos who famously said this: "The days are coming." declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine for hearing the words of the Lord. Now, we have Christian materials, Christian parenting materials coming out of our ears. But I wonder whether as parents, we've perhaps relied a little bit too much on human insights and sort of how-to strategies rather than what God has to say in his word. Now this morning we're looking at just four verses in Paul's letter to the Ephesians addressed to children and to fathers and parents. Now if as Christian families we were to put these four uh, verses into practice then I think we would more effectively be putting Christ on display before a watching world. Remember, that is uh, Paul's big theme in his letter to the Ephesians, that God is uniting all things under Christ as head, and uh, the evidence of this in the world today 
is the church and part of the church are Christian families. Now, today's section is the second of three pairs of relationships which uh, Paul uh, looks at in the light of verse 21 of chapter 5, where he says that we're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And those three pairs of everyday relationships started last week with husbands and wives. This week it's children and parents. And then next week it's slaves or servants and their masters. Obvious application there to employers and employees. But today it's uh, children and parents, and we're going to break the four verses down into two simple parts. The first three verses is a word to children, and uh, the last verse, verse four, is a word to fathers and parents. Now, if in the light of what uh, you hear this morning, you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer any emails, but uh, also obviously refer them uh, to Sarah. Now, firstly, a word to children. Chapter 6, verse 1, it begins, children. Now, this might uh, not seem particularly earth-shattering to you, but to people in the first century Greco-Roman world, it would have made them sit up and listen. You see, children had absolutely zero status. It was as far from our child-centred Western world that you could possibly get. But here is the apostle beginning by actually addressing them in person. Children. It implies that when this letter was read to the church in Ephesus and the surrounding regions, that the children were actually present as it was being delivered to the believers. And it reinforces, doesn't it, just how precious children are in God's sight. Now, different cultures define childhood in different ways, but I think for the purpose of what we're going to look at today, uh, let's uh, assume it is those under the age of 18 living in the family home. Now, what does he say? He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, in the corresponding section in uh, Colossians chapter 3, it's very similar. It says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, wives are called to submit to their husbands because God has made the husband the head of the family. But God's call to children is even stronger. It is, children, obey your parents. God has given children their mum and dad, as his authority in their lives. And their response to them is straightforward. You are to obey them. Now, a child's obedience was the norm uh, in Paul's culture. But Paul adds a little bit of detail, doesn't he? Obey your parents in the Lord. To underline that this is how children of Christian families, Christian homes, are to behave. Now, this wasn't an obedience out of fear that would have been the case in the culture where fathers often ruled the whole household with an iron rod and everyone was fearful of them. But rather, the obedience of the child in a Christian home is simply because it is right. It is what pleases the Lord. It's what put a smile, puts a smile on the face of God. Now, if there are children listening this morning, why don't you perhaps gather in front of the 
uh, the screen at this point. Now, children, God has given you uh, the parents that he has. If you're a single parent family, uh, the mum or the dad that he has. And you need to know that they are God's precious gift to you. And one of the best ways that you can show that you trust God and that you love your parents is, in fact, by obeying them. But do you know what? I'll let you into a secret. Your parents aren't perfect. Now, you may have realised that uh, already. They make mistakes. They sometimes get angry. Uh, they forget things. They sometimes will disappoint you. But that doesn't stop them being your parents or give you an excuse to disobey them. Now, we had a saying in our house as the children uh, were growing up, and it was this, that delayed obedience is disobedience. You see, if mum and dad ask you to do something and you ignore them, or you pretend that you didn't hear what they said, or you think that uh, it's a good reason to begin to argue with them, why you don't think you should do what they've asked you to do, then um, that is disobedience. And it makes God sad and your parents probably quite frustrated. Now, obviously, they may ask you to do something and you're in the middle of doing something else. And now, if that's the case, why don't you just let them know that? They may not realise it and say, look, when I finish what I'm doing, I'd, I'll happily do what you've asked me to do. That sounds quite reasonable, doesn't it? And Paul continues, doesn't he? So children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. He quotes here a sort of hybrid of Exodus uh, 20 and uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments. Now, the commandments aren't given that we obey them in order to be saved, but they're given that we obey them because we're saved, because we belong to Christ. Now, when he wrote to the Romans, he said the mark of God's judgment of man's rebellion against him in the world would be people disobeying their parents. And in his final recorded letter to his protege, Timothy, he described that the last days, a mark of the last days, would be people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. They'd be boastful, they'd be proud, they'd be abusive, and they'd be disobedient to their parents and many more ugly traits along with it. So our culture is one that has pretty much completely abandoned any notion of children obeying parental authority. And so the honouring of parents is something that marks us out as Christians in this godless culture. You see, our families can put Christ on display uh, for a watching world. And we do that by children honouring their parents, by obeying them. Let me add something here, that children obey their parents it, it, obeying their parents is something that they're to do not just as long as their children, but we're to keep honouring our parents at uh, whatever age they may be. 
Sadly, both my parents passed away uh, many, many years ago. But I suspect some of you have aged parents. Some of you may be caring for those parents. And it's, it's tough, isn't it? But we continue to honour them into old age by caring for them. And the promised blessing here is that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Now, obviously, the key, one of the key blessings of knowing Christ is eternal life. But uh, there's also here the, the earthly blessing, isn't there, of the close loving family, which is a great blessing to us. With so many people in our culture coming from broken homes, uh, where there's little or, or no family cohesion, we should not underestimate the witness that a Christian family can be, where children honour their parents and put Christ on display for others to see. So three verses to children, but then just one verse, verse four, he says, fathers, fathers. Now, some Bible commentators and translations immediately change that to parents and not just fathers. Now, clearly, if there is no father figure around, what Paul is about to say uh, is to be taken on board by the mother. But there are good grounds for taking it uh, as, as Paul addressing fathers in the first instance. Firstly, he's already made clear, hasn't he, that in the marriage relationship, um, God has given the role of headship in the family to the husband. So he's the leader, if you like, of the family unit. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean that he makes all the decisions uh, or anything like that um, or calls all the shots. But he is the one whom God is holding accountable as the family leader. But as I said last week, good leaders are good listeners. And as fathers, we would be stupid if we didn't uh, listen to the wisdom that God has given the children's mother. You see, we are the parent team together, aren't we? And secondly, as I mentioned earlier, in the Greco-Roman world of Paul's day, uh, the father often ruled with an iron rod and children, children would be on the receiving end of often of his beatings. The home was often a loveless, brutal environment. That makes what Paul is about to say to Christian fathers even more countercultural and would mark them out. So Paul begins with a negative. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. In the corresponding passage in Colossians, he writes, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Now, we can exasperate our children by both overparenting and underparenting. Let me explain the two. Uh, to overparent is to sort of always be on your children's case. Never give them an inch, control their every move, perhaps be overly harsh in our discipline and generally make their life a misery. Now, children under such a parenting regime will not flourish, but will become very discouraged and frustrated, often showing itself in suppressed anger and resentment towards their parents, especially their father. 
And maybe you grew up in, in that sort of over-parenting environment. The other extreme is under-parenting. And that is to be so relaxed that there are no boundaries. There is no discipline. There are no consequences for bad behaviour. Uh, the children rule the home and the parents live in constant fear of their children and their moods. Now, children under such a parenting regime will, will also not flourish, but become very discouraged and frustrated, often showing itself in tantrums and bad behaviour. Now, if your parents, if you are parents of uh, young children, or looking back at your earlier parenting years, you know, with over-parenting at one end of the, the, the spectrum and under-parenting at the other, you know, where would you put yourself? Which one did you veer more towards? Now, having given us the negative of what we're not to do, the next word is so important. He says, instead. Paul is now going to give us the positive of what we're to do instead. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. There are two things that are to positively mark out our parenting that will avoid us exasperating our children. And they're, they're to be pursued side by side. It's not one or the other. It's both of them. Firstly, training our children. It means disciplining them. Now, many years ago, when uh, Caroline and I ran parenting courses, we did it uh, for several years, often the very first question we'd ever be asked by people who attended the course is this. They sort of take you to one side and they say, well, tell me, please, before anything else, do you smack your children? It was as if this was their only concept of disciplining. It was the only thing they really wanted to know is, do we recommend smacking our children? Now, I'm not going to discuss the pros and cons of this. And you might have noticed in this last month, Scotland actually banned, has banned parents smacking their children. But as parents, we must discipline our children. We must do. And um, we need to understand what that looks like. It may be a timeout. It may be the removal of some uh, privileges uh, in their lives. It, it may end up being smacking. You must agree this together as mum and dad. And as parents, we must uh, communicate very clearly to our children, uh, making sure they understand what the consequences are for their disobedience, for their misbehaviour. It would be very unfair on our children if we were to just sort of spring it on them. And then the vital step, we must follow through with it uh, when the children are disobedient. This is where many parents sadly fall down. You see, our children, I've got some news for you as parents, our children are by nature gamblers. And if they sense that you don't mean what you say, that you're not going to follow through, then they will put it to the test every time. Now, I don't pretend that this is easy, but it is part of what God wants us to do. So disciplining our children, 
consequences for disobedience is very important. And actually, as our Heavenly Father, he disciplines us, doesn't he? Our fathers disciplined us for a while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. It's, it's so wide of the mark to put sort of discipline and love as two sort of opposite ends of the spectrum. You either do one or the other. No, loving discipline is a crucial aspect of our parenting. But going with it is also instructing our children. That means verbal input. We must make it a, our priority to teach our children God's word. Now, what we do as parents spiritually in our children's lives, it comes before what church does. It comes before what school does. Now, the earlier in their lives that we begin this, the better. Little and often is uh, something we found worked in the in the early days. So it's important to perhaps agree a time of the day when you might gather together as the family around God's word. It's good to uh, bring God's word into that, that setting. You may uh, read a little portion of the Bible yourself. If your kids are a bit older, get them to read a little bit. Then you discuss it. That's not a, a, a point then for a sermon, uh, but it's you discuss what it means. How does it apply in our lives, etc. You spend a little bit of time praying. We would often have a little prayer jar of people we were uh, praying for and all the kids would pick uh, someone's name out or a situation out and they'd pray for them. Uh, you might sing together, we did, uh, as a family. And um, obviously, as I say, the earlier we start this, the better. And it doesn't have to go on very long. But let me tell you, long term, it's much more important in our children's lives than their grades at school their music grades, or their sports teams and performances on the sports field. Now, our culture doesn't say that. Our culture says our children must not miss out on any activity and they must be able to do absolutely everything. But if we neglect this as, our par as parents with, with children, then we're not doing what God wants us to do. Now, if you're starting out, uh, to begin some sort of uh, time with your children in God's word. Um, it's probably best to explain what you're doing to the children. You may get a little bit of pushback initially. They may think, oh, why are we doing this, etc., etc. And some days when you do it, it won't feel like a home run at all. You, it, you may get so distracted and the kids uh, and you think, has anything really gone in? But uh, as the prophet Isaiah says in chapter 55, the, the, the steady water on the ground eventually causes the seed to grow. Now, if only one of you as parents is around on a day, uh, then it's better that one does it than that you abandon it and so on. So two things going side by side as parents. One, we're to discipline, we're to train our children, discipline them, but also going with it, we are to instruct them. Now, how do we wrap up? Well, a few weeks ago, we were having lunch with some uh, very good friends, old friends of ours. We went on holiday with them uh, 
30 years ago, back in September, because Caroline was pregnant with our first child, Beth, and she's going to turn 30 in a matter of weeks. Now, both of us as parents, we've both had four children each, so both very similar ages. And as we were talking and reminiscing, as one often does, it just struck me, where did all those years go? It seemed like only yesterday we were, we were gathering as families when the kids were really, really small. So I say this, if you like, as, as a parent further down the tracks to the younger parents listening in this morning, is don't neglect putting into practice some of the things that you've heard this morning. The earlier you start, the, bless, the better. And do not underestimate just how quickly the years go by. They absolutely fly by. Now, to those of us with older children or no children at all, there are three things that we can do for the younger parents in our church. Firstly, we can pray for them. Perhaps adopt a, a younger family and regularly pray for them. Ask them what you can be praying for them and follow up and see how things have been going in their life. You're not being nosy or anything like that. You're loving them, you're caring for them, you're praying for them. That's the first thing. Secondly, perhaps offer to babysit. Once lockdown is passed, give the parents a little bit of breathing space uh, to feed their marriage because a healthy marriage is crucial at the heart of a family. You see, when a young couple marry, when they become a husband and wife, that day they become a family. Now we think families are only when they have children, but no, they become a family that day. And it is the key relationship at the heart of the family is the marriage. So offer to babysit, let, uh, let uh, the young couple get out and have a bit of time together. And the third thing, perhaps invite the younger families around to your house for lunch or for tea. You see, in a, in a society which is increasingly fragmented into sort of specific groups, one of the unique features of a local church is that people from all ages and stages of life, not just on Sundays, but our homes too, we gather together, we encourage each other. And just imagine what a witness that is to the society that we are living amongst. As Paul's been saying over and over again, that it is the church that models the ultimate relationship of uh, Christ with his people. So as families, we can model that. So let me pray. Dear Lord God, thank you that family is something that you created. As a man and a woman, unite as one flesh. And it is the foundational building block in our society. Thank you for the gift of children who don't make a family, but extend what already exists. Help us as parents to not exasperate our children or make them frustrated by our poor parenting, but instead ensure that we exercise uh, proper training and discipline in our parenting and also regular exposure to your word, to prayer, to praise. Help our children to not see obedience to us as merely something they have to do, but rather that something that they want to do because it pleases you. May we see every day as a gift from you and an opportunity to savour your grace in our lives. Thank you for your countless blessings to us. In Christ's name. Amen.
Well, thanks so much for listening. And as I said earlier, if you have any questions, do feel free to uh, email me. Uh, Bill's got the details or have a chat with Sarah. God bless.